everyone, and welcome to episode 90. We've reached 90 minutes of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. Happy Friday to everybody. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today to finish off this week is J-Dub of Dubsism. Welcome back, J-Dub. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been a great week. You know, we're going to, we'll try to end it on a high note, but uh, I, I have a feeling we're not going to be able to do that because of what we have to discuss here. But Well, it's it's going to be a tough minute, but like I did yesterday, I'm going to, I'm going to try and bring us, bring us out and start the weekend on a high note, but this is going to be kind of coming out of a hole, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Um, so episode 90 begins with Ives starting to walk around in a daze and goes all the way till we see Hiltz wreathing in pain on the ground. And what happens between those the, those bookends? We'll have to wait and see. As we discussed yesterday, Strathwitz found Tom, and he started blowing the whistle, and all the guards knew to come to Barracks 105, and most of the, the, the prisoners run to go try and find out what's going on, except for one of them. There's one standing in the middle, or Archibald Archie Ives, also known as Piglet, standing there all alone, looking completely distraught. And he starts walking around in a little bit of a daze. You know, we've, we've had discussions earlier in this podcast about whether, you know, what his state of mind was at different points. This one, we're starting to get a clear idea that something has completely broken in him. Then we get a quick uh, shot of Willie, Danny, Ramsey, and Roger all looking on, realizing that Tom has been found. Not too happy. You know, you have Henley looking around. He, he actually turns off the, the spigot that's right next to him and says, success. Ends up reaching his hand, putting it on his head, over his eyes. Unbelievable. Can't believe that Tom was found. Everyone is just completely broken at this point. You can you can see it on their faces. You know, they had so many so so much hope of, of being able to get out by going out through Tom. And within seconds or within a few minutes this week, their ideas have all just been smashed. There's no no question about that. Then we get another shot of Ives walking between the barracks. Once again, completely away from everybody else. There's nobody around him. You know, he seems to be walking in a little bit of a daze, staring straight ahead. The music changes its tone. And, you know, we, we, we had an ominous feeling yesterday at the end of the minute. At this point, we know that it's it's more than that. There's something really big that's on its way to happening here. You see that Angus Lenny, who plays, just dragging his feet along the way, walking in a straight line. You know, he walks through the barracks, you can pass Barrack 108, gets to the wire, and starts contemplating what to do. We see that as he reaches the wire, they give us a great shot from the outside of the, the fence, where we see, we see Ives right in the middle of the shot, and then behind him you can see all the other prisoners. But what's great is, is because Steve McQueen has a completely different outfit than everybody else, you see him, he stands out, even though he's so far away. You can see, you can see the, uh, the U.S. flag flying in the background, and you can see Hiltz among all the other prisoners. At this point, we see Ives drop his, uh, his canteen and just look straight ahead. I mean, this was half a minute. This, this whole thing that just happened. I mean, they, they're, you know, this, this is a movie that's 172 minutes. Very little of this movie is, is drawn out. 
it's interesting to see that they're drawing out this scene. It's important that, and and that's why it stayed in. Of all the minutes in this movie, since we're doing this minute by minute, how hard would it to be would it be to say that this isn't one of the most powerful? Yes, it's one of them. There's no question. There are a few other very powerful minutes, but this is definitely one of the biggest ones. There's no question about that. Because you watch you watch this this movie and or this minute. And you did point out something great that I caught, and that is Steve McQueen in the red, and you see him in the background. And that moment when he leaves the pack and starts running up, um, knowing what's going to happen. And, you know, you see Piglet drop the canteen, and then you see that, that, that you know, piece of twine or piece of wire it is at his knees that's so clearly the line of death. I mean, have you ever seen a less imposing yet more ominous obstacle in your life. That, that just, you know, you, you don't cross that line. <laughs> right. And that, you know, and you, when you see McQueen start running up, you know what's going to happen. And it's kind of like getting punched in the gut, even though you know that gut punch is coming, it still hurts. Yeah. What I love is that, that, that you first see Hiltz when, when they, they do a close up of Hiltz right after Ives drops his canteen. And we see that Hiltz drops his also, and then he starts to take, he takes off in a run. Mm-hmm. He wants to help, and this, you know, Hiltz starts running before Ives, and then Ives just makes a dash for it and tries to get to the fence. And you hear the 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 the, the shrill of of Hiltz screaming out, "Ives, Ives!" You know, he doesn't want him to go do it. You know, then we then we start hearing the guards screaming, "Halt, halt!" Then I starts climbing the, the, the barbed wire fence to try and get out of there. You know, Hilt once again screams, and one of the guards also is, is start screaming at him. In the, and Hilt jumps up and, and actually tackles the guard, which isn't such a bright move. He's, he's trying to be effective because he wants to make sure that his good friend doesn't get shot. Then another guard comes running by and hits Hilt in the stomach with his machine gun, and Hilt doubles over in, in, in pain as he's lying on the ground. And then the, the guard picks up his gun and, and points it at, at Hiltz. Then once again, we get to see Ives continue his climb. One of the guards in the tower sees it and just opens fire. And then uh, we see that uh, he gets hit by, by some of the shots, screams out in pain, just hangs there dangling. At this point, we get a great reaction shot of some of the prisoners. You see, uh, you know, Henley and Colin, they stand up and they're they're looking at it, at what's going on. Now, I don't know if there's a real clear line of sight because where we saw Hiltz beforehand, I actually don't think there is a clear line of sight from where Henley is because Henley is is on the other side by the by, by the fire pool, uh, which is right next to the cooler. That's that's a good point. I guess I never really thought of that. I I might have to go back and relook at that because I mean I'm. I'm so wrapped up in what's happening. I'm I'm not even thinking of that at that point. So if, if that's true, that's a good catch. Yeah. So uh, there, and, yeah, I don't think so. And, and at this point, you you have a lot of the prisoners running to go see what's going on, and you know you have all the guards standing there with their with their guns pointed. Interestingly, the guards are only pointing their guns at Ives. Nobody's pointing guns the other direction by all the 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 prisoners that are running towards them. You, know, you think that, that at this point, with so many prisoners flocking to the area, that you would, you know, be a little concerned about some of these other prisoners trying to do something. 
Yeah, but you know, he's also made himself the, the the focal point of the scene at that point as well. Correct. And then we we get to see some of our uh, you know familiar faces run up. You have Willie and Danny run up. You see Sedgwick run up. You see Cavendish run up. You see Goff join in there also. And then surprisingly, who else do we see along with them? Who do you think? Oh, I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question. And, 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 and to be honest with you, this is the scene. This is where, you know, I kind of start flickering because I'm just thinking about the poor dead guy hanging on the fence. And that's kind of where I'm stuck. <laughs> so Ramsey runs runs up. Oh, see, I knew you were going to say that. Ramsey's, Ramsey's been walking with a cane the whole time. Yeah. So I'd like to know how he's able to, to, to just so quick. You know, How many times did you there. rewatch that scene before you caught that? First Are time. you kidding me? When I watched it minute by minute, I noticed it. I gotta stop buying my glasses at Walmart because, uh, like I said, I'm I'm stuck on the poor guy on the fence, and that's just kind of where I'm at. <laughs> These are things that I need to notice. I've seen this movie so many times, and I never noticed them. But this particular time, I've noticed it because you know I'm, I'm trying to see what what's going on, and to see Ramsey run up. It's just great. He, he he is limping a little bit, but uh, still, he gets there pretty quick for somebody who's who's got a very strong limp that you know got injured when when he bailed out months or years earlier. Yeah. So I just find that find it fun to, to to catch that, you know. And then then we have you know Matt. So do you think do you think that Ramsey's having like a huge adrenaline rush at that moment, or apparently? What do you think? Apparently, there's no other explanation. <laughs> What else could it be? Like I said, I already have to go back and rewatch that because I missed that completely. And then from now on, I'm going to watch that scene and I'm going to go, that SOB caught this and I didn't. Like, you can read the bottom line. SBO, SBO, not SOB. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have it your way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we get a final shot of this minute where we see Hilt's holding his stomach as he's on his knees, you know, being being hit uh, pretty harshly. Now, what's really interesting is that if you look at the original script, it, the scene is, is done a little bit differently. They actually, at one point, when they see Ives walking towards the fence, they send two other prisoners to go with him, to go stop him, okay? And as he's climbing the fence... These two other prisoners are also, are there trying to pull him down from there. Yes. Um, now, there's one problem with that. They actually shoot these other two prisoners also in the original script. Really? Yes. Well, it makes sense. But you, you would think that the guard would look and see that, that the, these are people trying to pull him down. You know? Well, but I, you know, I mean, not, not to sound flip, but what I think... When I think, um, you know, sensible, understanding, thought-provoking kind of guys, I don't think German POW camp guards. You don't? No, I, I, I don't. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm insensitive. Maybe, maybe I'm the, the problem here. But uh, I, yeah, I, I just – I don't see them as guys who um, observe situations and react accordingly. Well, I think they um, – get told, pull the trigger, and that's what they do. Correct. No, obviously, there, there's no question about that. But but you you think that they would still use a little bit of discretion before they're going to, to start going and shooting. I don't know. 
I, I, again, again, maybe I'm, you know, being unfairly stereotypical, but I don't think of Nazi Germany as a hotbed of um, intellectual capabilities at the time. I mean, right? Okay, that that that's true. I mean, this this movie shows things a little differently than most other movies. The way that they portray the Germans, they don't portray them as being sadistic as as they do in most movies. But in the script, they have these two officers named Baldwin and Mead. That, that break from the ranks and hair after Ives. They basically say that the the, the guards are, are are looking at him, and they say that the the tower goon sentries are covering Ives and the two men as they try to pull him off, but they don't fire. Obviously, Ives has gone mad, and then they uh, one of the the guards comes in, Coon, and he shrieks uh, furiously, and then he says, "Kill them, you stupid bastards, or you'll all be at the Russian front." And then one of the SS men. Jerks his uh, burp gun, sprays bullets off screen. Another one of the sentries hesitates, and then he fires a token burst. Ives and the two two men, Baldwin and Meade, crumple as the bullets cut them down, pockmark the dirt. Hmm. Um, and then they say that, that Ramsey is appalled. He stares off appalled, and Van Luger is there also, and is appalled also. It says quickly covered, which I'm not sure what that means. Uh, oh, he, he covers... The fact that he's appalled by it. And then it says, ranks of POWs are horrified. The sound of firing cuts as abruptly as it started. And then he starts screaming, that was murder, murder. He was mad. Why are happy? Anyone can see that. They were trying to help him. I demand that. And then Kuhn, uh, Kuhn is, is the Gestapo guy. Uh, which, again, I don't know why he's here. He says, you can't demand anything. You're all prisoners of the Reich. Anyone across the wire gets killed. Again, I think it's much more effective the way that, that, that they shot this in the end. It's better than what they you know, what, what was in the original script. But it's interesting to always see the the various changes that are made over the course of filming or the course of development of For sure. a, of a movie. Well, it, it, you can you can you can go down a rabbit hole real quick with a lot of movies when you get into the discussions of, you know, how different scenes were you know, envisioned and then shot differently and vice versa or, you know, alternate casting and a lot of those sorts of things. Uh, like I've already said, I've already, you know, offered a big mea culpa on this scene because I got so stuck on one thing that I missed a whole lot of things that you offered. So before I get into, well, it could have been this way or it was envisioned this way or they wanted this guy to play this role or any of those sorts of things, like I got to go back and, and, uh, Re reevaluate my take on on this, which is you know this is the perfect time to do it while we're recording a podcast about my observations of what I obviously missed. So no, but it, it, come on, not everyone is going to catch everything. I don't catch everything, and that, that that's why we have this discussion. There are things that you're going to see that I'm not going to, and right. vice versa. Okay, that's nice of you to let me off the hook. I appreciate it. You know, which which makes this a fun conversation, and hopefully people are enjoying listening to us talk about this. Like you said, it was gracious of you to let me off the hook. I, I appreciate it. No, no problem. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Before we get into your uh, sports analogy for, for, for this uh, final minute that you will be, be on the show with us, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute in general? Um, Not really. Like I said, I've already you know thrown up my mea culpa. I um, also, you know, yesterday knew we were going to get into – heavy territory here and and we did i I know we didn't disappoint there um 
But that's why when I get to my sports analogy, again, I'm going to try and get us out of the deep hole that we're in. All right, go ahead. Give us your sports analogy. Okay. Today's Friday. Monday's version of this podcast, my sports analogy was about um, learning who was making the team and not making the team in, in eighth grade basketball. And the dark comedy piece of my brain went back to that moment and it's all about a kid named Danny. So when I say Danny, don't confuse him with the character Danny in the movie. But what happens is Danny, how do I describe Danny? Danny, I'll compare him to another Danny, Greece. This kid is an eighth grade version of Danny Zuko. You know the scene where he's trying out for every sport and he's terrible at all of them? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's that's this. And he, he can't play basketball. He's the first kid who gets cut. But he's temperamental about it. So when he finds out that his name isn't on the roster, he goes running towards the gym door. And, you know, it's it's a gymnasium in a junior high school. It's those heavy metal security doors with the push bars. Yes. You know what, I'm, mm-hmm. know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Well, he runs up to it. He gives it the flying cop kick style on the handle to spring it open. And it opens and it bounces off the wall and it comes back and it cracks him right in the forehead. Whoa. Almost knocks him. Oh, yeah. Almost knocks himself cold slap out. Now, that in and of itself isn't funny, but the way he did it and the way it happened, coupled with the fact that secretly nobody really liked this kid, kind of got a chuckle out of that. I mean, that makes I, – I, maybe it be a bad person, but the, the comparison – and this might be just my chemical imbalance, but the way that Piglet ran for defense – was the same way Danny ran for the door after he got cut from the basketball team. Uh, you know, in a weird way, I think there was a similar loss of hope. I, you know, keep trying to explain how I can equate those two in my head, but that was where I went. It was like, there's a moment where you have a loss that your emotional capabilities can't handle at the time, and you react in a way that may or may not be that great. Okay. I, I, okay, I hope it, I hope it worked out better for Danny than it did for Ives. Well, let me let me because Danny just got let a me few put stitches. it to you this way. Danny Danny got a few stitches and a concussion, but Danny was also like Danny Zuko in Greece. That you know he ended up being one of those car guys, and later on, I know he had a couple of pretty pretty good looking girlfriends. So I think I think he did okay. Okay, if if that's your measure of okay, then I guess so. <laughs> It's better than being dead hanging on a fence. Uh, very true. Very true. And on that note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've, we've been discussing this movie all week. You, you've, I've, I've had a lot of fun discussing this movie with you. But we never really discussed your background with the movie. You know, when, when do you recall first seeing it? When did it become one of, your, uh, one of the movies that you really enjoy? I, I, maybe even one of your favorites. I don't know. Um, Give me a little background on that. This this movie is one of those, and it's kind of, in one of the earlier um, episodes, I made a reference to Stalin 17, and both of those that was on Monday. movies, <laughs> yeah, and they both of those fell into this bucket of what I like to call reverse discovery, because uh, I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm in my early 50s. I'm 40, so 47. A, okay, so as a kid... In in the in the 70s, I'm discovering a lot of things on television before I discover classic movies. So in this case, I discovered Hogan's Heroes 
before The Great Escape and Stalag 17. Okay. And so when I go back and I look at those movies, the first time around, I'm like, well, wait a minute. These aren't funny. Um, you know, Stalag 17 has a couple of comic moments in it, but you know, Great Escape is not a comedy. No. And so that I. It's got you know, comedic moments, re- but in general, it's not. Yes. You know, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I wasn't really going to go there after we just talked about a dead guy on a fence. Well, but, 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 but um, you got to remember, we've just gone through 90 minutes of this movie. You know, we're, we're, we're more than halfway through a 172-minute movie, and this is the first character who's died, who has died. And this is a movie about, a, you know, POWs in a German war camp. So that's pretty good. I mean, if you look at something like The Bridge of the River Kwai, you have a soldier die within the first five minutes. That's true. That's true. Okay, so back to my tale. Um, so one of the things that started my crossover between movies and sports was uh, uh, my hometown team growing up as a kid was the California Angels, which were owned by Gene Autry, the singing cowboy. And the Angels were the little brother to the Dodgers in Southern California baseball. The Dodgers were always on TV, and the Angels weren't very much until Gene Autry bought himself a television station. And when the Angels weren't playing, it was full of old movies, primarily Westerns, but a lot of stuff like this. Having said that, um, the more I watched The Great Escape, the more I became to understand what it was really about getting away from, okay, my first exposure was Hogan's Heroes. And then later on, I started to, when I became more and more of a film fan, I started to become more and more of a fan of Steve McQueen and James Garner. And if you're looking for a movie with both of those guys in it, it's hard to find a better one than that. I don't think there are any others. <laughs> that Well, okay, I, maybe I didn't say that right. This is pretty good. This is pretty pretty good work in terms of both of their libraries you know like if you're gonna go to a steve mcqueen movie or you're gonna go to a james garner movie both in both cases you're gonna have the great escape somewhere at the top of the lineup yeah there's no question about that all right great anything else you want to say before uh, about the movie in general uh or anything before we sign off on this i think we've covered all we can really cover at this point all right. Well, I appreciate having you on this week. You've, you've been a great guest. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a great time. All right. So why don't you, for the final time, let people know how they can get in touch with you. What is J-Dub at Dubism? Dubsism. 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 D-U-B-S-I-S-M. It's the first first page search result on Google. You can find me at dubsism.com. That's the blog. Dubsism at yahoo.com for email. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, pretty much any other social media platform you might care to mention. Carrier Pigeon, Smoke Signal, you name it, we're out there. Dubsim, D-U-B-S-I-S-M. All right, very cool. And while you're looking for all the your, your Dubsism, you can rate, review, and subscribe on the podcatcher they might be using to listen to this show. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com, and our Twitter handle is greatescapemxm. So, until Monday, have a great weekend, and tally-ho! Tally-ho!